Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that would like to remind you that you don't have to be crazy to work here, because we can train you. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are drinking Mind Games by the Answer Brew Pub, garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. Mind Games is a double IPA, or is it? Hmm. It's a hazy double India pale ale brewed with mosaic and Eldorado and galaxy hops. Captain, I sampled about nine beers last Friday, and for my friends on Untapped, they know that. If you want to friend me on Untapped, pretty simple, I am True Crime Garage. And this week's beer was brought to us by all of our good friends. First up, we have Joseph in Rocky Ridge, Utah. And a big shout-out to Sky in Portland, Oregon. And a cheers to Teresa from Norfolk, Virginia. And a big We Like Your Jib to McKenzie from Louisville. Let's go up north and give a shout to Mallory in Inkster, Michigan. And last but not least, a cheers to Sue in Massachusetts. So thanks to everybody for helping us out with this week's show. If you want to kick it in for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com. Click on the donate button. If you'd like to follow us on social media, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff at True Crime Garage. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. In 2017, Kelly Cochran, a 34-year-old woman, gave the following statements during her testimony in an Iron County, Michigan courtroom. Kelly told the court about her husband, Jason Cochran. She explained how he had physically abused her throughout their entire marriage, and on numerous occasions he had held a gun to her head, threatening to kill her. 
Speaking in regards to one of those occasions, she said, quote, He put a gun to my head. He was going to shoot me. He was going to shoot himself. He was going to just end it right there. End quote. Kelly went on explaining her marriage more and informing the court that she had cheated on her husband and she was having an affair with a man she had worked with, Chris Regan. She said on October 14th, 2014, her husband Jason went out with some friends, so she invited Chris to come over and join her at her home. Kelly and Chris were having sex when Jason returned home. He walked in, saw the two of them, Chris on top of Kelly, and Jason shot Chris in the back of the head, and the two of them fell down the stairs in the middle of the act. Then, just a short time later, Jason told Kelly to fetch him an electric cord so he could power a handsaw. Jason then handed Kelly a pair of forceps and told her to remove the bullet from Chris's head. Jason forced her to make him dinner. He wanted a burger with fries. While she was cooking for him, Jason was dismembering Chris's body with the sawzall in their basement. Kelly said when he had cut him up, Jason took one of Chris's hands and waved it at her, adding that that would be the last time he would ever wave goodbye to her. After mutilating the body, Jason put the body parts into several trash bags and told Kelly to help him carry them. She would not. She told the court, I didn't care if he shot me right there, but I wasn't carrying those bags, saying, quote, I wasn't going to be part of him being treated like garbage. Jason and Kelly hid Chris's remains in a wooded area near Pantoga Trail in Crystal Falls, Michigan. Kelly said she only helped him because if not, Jason was planning on dissolving the body using acid and then Chris's body would never be found. So Kelly suggested that location, thinking it was a high traffic area and he would likely be discovered. On the stand, she was asked if she felt guilty And Kelly said yes, because if he, Chris, if he would have never been in a relationship with me, he'd be here. Chris Carl Regan was a fun-loving divorced father of two grown boys. Chris found his love for the outdoors when he was stationed at K.I. Sawyer Air Force Base. It was a great place for hiking, camping, and all types of cycling, activities he loved and passed on to his two sons. Chris was 53 years old. He had an on-and-off-again relationship with a woman named Terry O'Donnell. They first met in the 80s. This was an on-again and off-again relationship that lasted until 2014, but even when they were off again, Chris and Terry remained close. Chris's sons said that Chris was the type of friend and father that always answered phone calls and returned text, and when they didn't hear from him for a week, they knew something was wrong. On October 27, 2014, Terry O'Donnell went to the police and reported Chris is missing. Chief Laura Frizzo took the report. Terry made sure to let the police chief know that Chris was not depressed or suicidal. 
In fact, Chris was excited. He was getting ready to move out of town and start a new job in Asheville, North Carolina in November. He had already started to pack for his new adventure, and the pair planned to remain close, even after the move. They had made plans to visit each other during the holidays. So a weird thing here, Colonel, is that Terry didn't know where Chris was, but she knew where Chris's car was. Yeah, seems a little strange. We have Chris's sons who say it was over a week since they had heard from their father, and then Terry told the police chief that she could take her to the car, to Chris's car, which was sitting at a nearby park and ride. So police went to this vehicle, and sure enough, it was Chris's car. Later, the police ran a check on Chris's bank accounts, finding that the last time that he had used his bank card was about two weeks prior to the reporting of him missing. Chris used his bank card at a local gas station around 4 p.m. on October 14th. Chief Frizzo went to the gas station, observed the security footage from the 14th, and she saw Chris driving his car, pumping gas. He was traveling alone, and nothing appeared out of the ordinary. And when Chris drove off and left the gas station, nobody was following him. When police had found Chris's car, they found two interesting items. One, Chris's knee brace. They were informed that he wouldn't go long without wearing it, so this is not a positive find. Mm -hmm. The other item was a sticky note left on the passenger seat, and on it was a local address. Um, Police are going to check with Chris's work, and they find out that Chris hasn't been to work in two weeks. Yeah, and while they're there, they're going to ask if there's, you know, you ask these people, is there anything that we should be aware of, anything of importance uh, in regards to Chris and why we might not be able to find him? Mm -hmm. Well... At some point, they're told that Chris is having an affair with a co-worker. This is a married woman named Kelly Cochran. Mm. The address on the sticky note in Chris's car was Kelly's home address. So, of course, police went to the home of Kelly Cochran and her husband, Jason Cochran, and they brought them in for questioning. And this questioning was a little odd, to say say the least, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not so much the the questioning that I find odd. It's more of the answers that we end up getting because they do what you would you would expect in any situation like this. They take in two people. Now, they're not under arrest for anything at this point, nor should they be. They're just being asked to answer some questions, and these might be tough questions, and we want to get good, honest answers and be able to fact check some of these things. So, When we bring in Kelly and her husband, Jason, we're going to separate them. Mm -hmm. We're going to put each one of them in a room by themselves, and they're going to be interviewed separately. They're going to be asked a lot of the same questions. But along the way, as they start telling us portions of their story, well, we're going to let those questions adapt depending on what's going on in their version of the story. Mm -hmm. First thing we want to know as investigators is why do we find this address, your home address, in this missing individual's vehicle. Well, that's when Kelly comes clean and she says, look, we've been having an affair. Of course, we know that the investigators already know about the affair at this time. Right, from them, his co-workers. Yeah, so they're going to make the hard decision to ask Jason about the affair, Mm -hmm. to which the husband states that he didn't like it, but he was aware of it, and that if he wanted to keep Kelly as his wife, then he just kind of had to put up with it. It was just something that he had to put up with. Apparently she had other uh, affairs throughout the course of their marriage. All right. So this is like a ongoing thing, but is this like a loud, is it an open relationship? Sound. I mean, it almost sounds like it is. 
Well, what it, it's not open relationship in the sense that what we gather from the questions here is that both people willingly admit to the extramarital affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason is aware of it. Uh, both agree that they're not, he's not entirely happy with it, but that's what was going on in this situation. And Kelly had stated that not only was she having an extramarital affair, but that Jason wouldn't do anything to harm either her or Chris. As she stated that Chris meant the world to her. And if anything happened to Chris, even though that Jason didn't like this affair, that Jason wouldn't do anything to Chris because it would really hurt Kelly Mm. and that Jason had been great throughout their entire marriage. In fact, he worshiped the ground that she walked on. Therefore he would never do anything to hurt Kelly. Right. But she doesn't have a problem having this affair and hurting her husband. Yeah. She was asked if Jason would be, you know, violent either towards her or to Chris. And she stated that he was not a violent individual, that he was, at times depressed and maybe even suicidal mm-hmm. at times, but she was, he was not what she would describe as a violent individual. So the police are obviously taking a long look at Jason and Kelly Cochran Kelly, because she was the one, she was one of the last people to see Chris. Mm-hmm. And we know this because she tells the investigators, Hey, look, he had been to my house before I had been to his house several times. And it sounds to me like she was going to his house more often. Right. And on the, she says between the 12th and the 15th, somewhere in that time range that she had gone to his house and they had had dinner together. And she, that was the last time that she had seen him. So she's being looked at because we know that she is one of the last people to see Chris. And then both of them are being looked at obviously because of this affair. This has got to be a super weird situation. I'm guessing for detectives, because here we have this couple. Okay. Now, how do we, how do we explore this? How do we look at this? Do we look at it as we have two suspects working together or do we have one suspect and the other person doesn't know what's going on? Either way, we have two people that are very interesting in this investigation into this missing individual. Yeah. I mean, or the fact that they might have nothing to do with the situation. True. So then we have police search their home, and this is with the FBI, and this takes place in March of 2015. Now, they find no obvious sign of Chris or of murder, mm-hmm. but while they're there, they seized two guns, the couple's cell phones, and their computers. This search, though, would have a huge impact because Kelly and Jason were spooked by this, mm-hmm. so much so that they packed up and they moved to Merrillville in Lake County, Indiana. How far away do you know? I don't know the exact distance, but we're talking about a a move from North Michigan Mm -hmm. to, I believe this is North West Indiana. Right. So, so at least a state away. Right. And I think the, the important thing here is the Cochran's moved quickly. So this is one of those running out of town in the middle of the night situations. The Cochran's move like cockroaches. And I'm pretty certain that they moved in with Jason's mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did leave pretty much everything behind when they fled Michigan. Their furniture was still in the house. Food was still there. Just about everything. Apparently, Jason even left his marijuana plants behind. Mm. 
Now, despite speaking with the couple back in 2014, after learning of the extramarital affair, detectives said the Regan case had eventually gone cold. So we have the single father of two and he was about ready to move and start a new life. And now he's just disappeared from the face of the earth. Yeah. About three weeks before he could move down to North Carolina, he vanishes. His car turns up at this park and ride. And there's little clues to suggest what may have happened to him, but police are well aware of his relationship with Kelly Cochran. Then on February 20th, 2016, Paramedics in Lake County, Indiana, responded to a 911 call. On the call, a woman stated that something was wrong with her husband and she needed help. Mm-hmm. The woman did not know for sure what was wrong with her husband, but she, but he was sweating a lot and throwing up. Mm-hmm. She said she needed an ambulance right away. When paramedics arrived, it was at the new home of Kelly and Jason Cochran. Jason was unresponsive. They tried desperately to revive him. During the entirety of their time on site, Kelly, the wife that had called 911, could only be described as disruptive, and she wouldn't leave the room despite their request for her to do so, especially as they attempted to revive her husband. Jason was pronounced dead, and the cause of death was believed to be an overdose of heroin. Kelly held a memorial service for her late husband and wrote on Facebook that his death was, quote, the hardest thing I have ever had to deal with. But then someone tipped off the FBI saying that the couple were suspects in an unsolved Michigan missing persons case, Mm -hmm. which could possibly actually be a murder case. Right. This paired with Kelly's confusing inconsistencies in her stories about what had happened to her husband the night that he had died and Kelly's defensiveness and evasiveness. While all of these things were raising major red flags So a full autopsy was ordered, and this revealed that Jason had not died from an overdose, but from asphyxiation. Well, surprise, surprise. Yeah, changing the cause of death from accidental overdose to homicide caused by asphyxia by strangulation. Right, but you you would think that there was some drugs in his system. Well, it was because, sorry, I didn't get to finish the cause of death. Mm. It's uh, by strangulation complicated by heroin intoxication. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the lead detective in Indiana, this is detective Ogden. He hatched a plan and I Mm -hmm. I love this kind of police work right here. He hatched a plan with a tipster to make Kelly believe that her husband had left behind a letter that would expose their past actions. Mm -hmm. So a phone call is made and there's a gentleman that's going to have, that sounds like such like a detective movie and then a phone call was made well the man working with the detective his name is walt ammerman Mm -hmm. okay this is her deceased kelly's deceased husband's very good friend according to walt now during that phone call walt tells kelly he has a letter from her late husband that he had asked him to send to the iron river police department if anything had happened to him investigating officers recorded this phone call Now, Kelly asked the man not to send the letter, but ultimately told him that he was going to have to do what he had to do. Walt tells her that he intended to mail the letter to the police department. Later, she asked Walt if he had mailed it. He said that he had. She asked what was in it, and Walt told her he did not open it. 
Well, this prompted Kelly to call Indiana Detective Ogden. She said she had something to tell him, and this is wild, Captain, because her story is going to change dramatically. Mm, you think? Yeah. Well, she tells Detective Ogden that she, that Jason had caught her and Chris together, had caught the two of them having sex, and she witnessed Jason kill Chris. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, meanwhile, back in Michigan, police are still working the case, but they have no body. They still have not found Chris's remains. Right, but with his car being found and the information they found in the car, I mean, her story lines up with what possibly could have happened. Well, let's do a quick little recap here because there's a lot of moving around in this story and it can get confusing. So in 2014, we have Chris Regan who goes missing in Michigan. Then once the couple, Jason and Kelly Cochran are questioned, they leave the state of Michigan. And about a year and a half later, Jason Cochran dies. Now, after his death, the ruling of his death is changed from an overdose to homicide. Then we have Kelly Cochran, who is now in constant interaction with the Indiana detective. Now, after this letter, this, this letter phone call goes down, she is going to call the Indiana detective. And she wants to know why this letter was sent, what was in the letter. She's, she's pretty consumed with this letter. And that's when she says that, guess what? I know we told people in Michigan we didn't know anything about Chris's disappearance, but what actually happened was we were having sex and my husband came in and had shot Chris Regan. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot garage. 
This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All 
All right, we're back. Cheers, me mateys. All right, Captain. Nine weeks after Jason Cochran had died, the Michigan authorities decided they were ready to charge Kelly Cochran with Chris's death. Now, Kelly had been, let's say, working with the detective in Indiana up to this point. But just like her and Jason had fled Michigan, Kelly decided she was going to flee Indiana. Well, and think about this now, Captain. This is not the same situation. Because now Kelly technically being charged with a murder or with the disappearance up in Michigan, this is a wanted woman. Okay, so Detective Ogden, well, he likes a good game of chess, as we saw with his clever creation of that fake letter we would later learn that that whole letter thing was just a ruse it's a pretty intelligent idea it's a great idea and this time he tracks pings on kelly's cell phone in april of 2016 so kelly is located in the state of kentucky and she's arrested by u.s marshals and the kentucky state police in wingo kentucky following her arrest kelly was interrogated by both Michigan and Indiana law enforcement. Well, let's focus on her possible involvement into Chris's death, her boyfriend or her, her lover. Okay. Well, captain, I have to point out this story is very tricky to cover and very tricky to research for many reasons. Okay. First off, we have the ever changing stories of Kelly Cochran. And I don't know why I've seen this in several cases, not often, but seen this in several cases. And it seems like a strange kind of defense to put up to try to convince law enforcement that you're innocent or didn't have much involvement in something, or at least didn't have control over a crime or murder. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is the ever changing stories. So basically what Kelly does is that she throws you one story and she's going to see if you bite. And if you don't bite and you don't believe her, she's very happy to throw you another story or a slightly different version of that last story that she gave you. And she's willing to just keep doing this and doing this and doing this until you settle on a story. Now, the thing here though, is what she will do from time to time is she will point out reasons why she might be willing to come forward about having more of a personal involvement in, in the crime that took place than the previous story that she gave you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So each story, she's a little more involved. And then also she does this other thing too, where she will just throw out these crazy stories that on the surface. And when you're first presented with them seem like possibilities, but it could just be her playing mind games with you. Well, and that's pretty strange too, because you see a lot of times when somebody confesses um, to a crime that they'll start, every time they start confessing, they'll backpedal. Mm -hmm. So they're less involved. Well, that's what's so great about this letter, this, this whole letter ruse that was come up by the Indiana detective. Mm -hmm. Okay, so basically you have a situation where Kelly Cochran and her husband, Jason, are questioned about the disappearance of Chris. And they say, look, yeah, we saw him. We had some kind of relationship with him. We had some uh, personal interaction with this guy, but we had nothing to do with his disappearance. We don't know where he is mm -hmm. or what could have happened to him. And then after the creation of this letter, all of a sudden, Kelly is saying a whole different story. We were having an affair. That much was true. We've already agreed on that part. 
But in this version of the story, they are caught and Jason basically executes Chris right in front of Kelly. Yeah. And then her dismembers him. Yeah. And here's the other crazy thing, Captain. Remember how nice Kelly said that her husband was? Yeah. You know, he worshiped the ground that I walked on and he would never do anything to hurt me. Hurting Chris meant hurting me and he would never do that. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, here's the story. This guy's an abusive husband. I was scared to death of this guy. He killed Chris and I didn't tell anybody about it because I was afraid of my husband. Right. All the while she keeps asking detectives both in Michigan and Indiana. What was in that letter? What was in that letter from my husband to his friend that his friend did not open up and that he sent to you guys. I want to see that letter. Let me see that letter. Right. The detective Ogden, the guy that created the letter, Mm -hmm. he basically, he just goes, he he created the idea of the letter. Right. Right. And he came up with it. And I tell you what, Jason's old friend, Walt, he sold it great on that phone call, man. He sold it great to Kelly and she Mm. bought it. She bought every bit of it. She ate it up to the point where she keeps asking to see this letter. Detective Ogden gets like aggressive with her during the questioning. He's like, you don't get to see the letter. Gives her one of those. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I was talking with somebody a couple weeks ago and they were asking me, remember the old Felix veil case that we covered Mm -hmm. with our friend Gina Mm -hmm. who pretended to be an insurance adjuster and took pictures of his place and got to know him and know some personal things about him. Yeah. She also pretended to be somewhat, romantically interested. Yeah. Slightly interested in this guy. Somebody asked me, said, uh, don't you think that's kind of operating in the gray area of law enforcement? I said, I love when they operate. If you think that's gray, fine to me. I think it's black and white. These criminals do things behind closed doors under the cover of darkness. We're just leveling out the playing field a little bit. I'm totally fine with that guy, Felix Vale, believing that Gina was from the insurance company. Well, I'm totally fine mm-hmm. with Kelly Cochran believing that there was a letter sent from her dead husband. Yeah, Who, I wouldn't say that's in the gray area. I mean, that that's within the law. I think that's creative within the law. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. As long as they're playing within the confines of the law, it's all fair game, right? And remember, I wanted to start that that show where we dress up like clowns we go take people hostage mm-hmm. and try to get them to confess to crimes. We couldn't that, get anybody to buy that show. Yeah, because it's illegal. I found out later it's illegal to do that. <laughs> well, Captain, her story is going to continue to change. And mm-hmm. she's not going to get to see this letter that she wants to see so badly. But now, all of a sudden, Jason is this monster that she was married to, that right. she had been afraid of. Okay, so... Let's follow Kelly's story, all right? She says that her and Jason, her husband, they started dating shortly after high school. Then they moved in together in 2001. Jason proposed to her. She thought Jason was, quote, the love of her life. So she accepted, and they got married in 2002. According to Kelly, Jason was two very different people after their marriage. Sometimes he was the man that she loved, but other times... She said that she saw the eyes of the monster in him and that their relationship devolved into verbal abuse and physical threats. The couple was married for 13 years. They didn't have any kids. 
Jason had some kind of physical trouble. He was injured. I believe it was some kind of injury that he had suffered at work. And so at some point in their marriage, he was unable to work. Kelly and Chris became heavily involved at some point. And it's been reported that they were getting together as many times as four or five times a week. Now, Kelly said that jealousy in her marriage was was getting very bad. Well, of course, you're having an extramarital affair. Mm -hmm. Why would it not be? According to Kelly, on October 13th, 2014, Jason and Kelly came up with a plan to, quote, save their marriage. And this was to kill Chris Regan inside of their home. And they would implement this plan on the next day. So Kelly lured Chris to their home. Then when Jason, quote, caught them, supposedly caught them, Chris with his wife, he shot him in the head with a 22 caliber gun. The Cochran's then set about dismembering Chris's body. Then they divided Chris's body between garbage bags and threw the bags into the woods. Now, Kelly was able to direct investigators to a desolate stretch of Michigan woods where they did discover evidence of these alleged crimes, including a human skull with an apparent bullet hole, bones and bone fragments. Police also recovered a 22 caliber rifle and a 22 caliber bullet and a pair of glasses at this scene. But hold on to your horse, people, because the story is going to get a little more twisted because at this point, she's going to start telling law enforcement that Jason not only, you know, killed Chris, but he's a serial killer. Yeah, she claims that Chris, uh, before killing Chris, Jason had killed other individuals and that he had even kept some trophies from these kills to which she had confiscated them or he had hid them. I'm, I'm a little uncertain as to the details of that, mm-hmm. but for where, whatever reason, where did they hide them at? these trophies ended up roughly in the same location as Chris's body. Mm. Okay. So, so, so all of a sudden Jason is a serial killer and she provides some potential victim names and very little detail or information regarding these crimes that she's saying happened. She gives this information to detectives. Well, here's the problem. You now have this woman in your custody Mm -hmm. who very likely and very soon should be charged with two potential homicides. Now you're handed this list of other victims and and, and a whole uh, buffet of potential other crimes. Mm -hmm. This could really mess up your investigation. The thing here is, though, Captain, these detectives, they're too smart. They realized early on the games that Kelly wanted to play. My boy's wicked smart. That's right. And they realized these games, and they realized that these were just things that were thrown at them to try to screw up the investigation. And they were smart enough to say, you know what? Let's take what we have in front of us right now. Mm -hmm. Let's take this individual that we think killed two people. Let's deal with this first, and we can always come back to these items and look into them later. So they decide to pursue charges against Kelly Cochran. And in in Indiana, Kelly would be charged with the death of her husband. Then in Michigan, she was facing charges related to Chris's death. This included homicide and assisting her husband to mutilate, deface, remove or carry away a portion of a dead body and concealing the death of an individual. Kelly pled not guilty to all charges. 
While she initially claimed that she wanted to defend herself at trial, she did eventually relent mm-hmm. and she asked for assistance from a public defender. So, so at some point she wanted to be her own lawyer. Early on, she wanted to be her own lawyer. That's right. correct. Now, the prosecution, the attorney gave the jury copies of her presentation, which included copies of text messages sent by Kelly to both her husband and the victim, Christopher Regan. Now, what's weird here, Captain, is that they were able to prove that Kelly Cochran was... Okay, so Chris was communicating with Jason, according to their cell phones, Mm -hmm. right around the time that they believe Chris was murdered. So they actually think that what was happening was that Kelly was using Chris's phone to communicate with Jason. This likely went down when they were moving the vehicle, moving Chris's vehicle from their home and placing it at the park and ride. And then we also have the situation of they could have gone to his home at some point. It's a little unclear if they, if they actually did, it's suspected that they may have during the opening comments. Kelly's defense lawyer said that Kelly's husband was solely behind the murder and that his client was acting out of fear for her own life. Even though she already confessed to being involved. Well, that's what's so confusing about this case. Captain, like Mm -hmm. I said, she gave story after story during closed door meetings with law enforcement and then when we go back and we review the the trial, I believe the trial lasted almost three weeks. When we review the trial, she lays out a little bit of, of a pretty solid defense, okay? And, and solid in the sense of it's now one story. And the story is this, that her husband, her deceased husband, was guilty was the sole murderer of Chris Mm -hmm. and that she was afraid for her life. So whatever her involvement was, it was out of fear from her husband who had abused her for years. And I'll tell you what, the prosecution was absolutely brilliant because they questioned every statement that Kelly gave. Kelly was on the stand. I think she was on the stand for a long time. I mean, maybe two complete days maybe even three, but they allowed her to lay out her story. And then they went back through man and they poked holes in every bit of it. That's a strong bladder. Well, one thing that I think was interesting, uh, was, was one simple line of questioning Mm -hmm. when she time and time again, explained how afraid she was of her husband stating things like he would often, he always carried loaded guns in the house and he was an excellent marksman was a complete psychopath. That's abusive. And he's a serial killer. So why wouldn't she be afraid? Well, and she claims that he threatened to shoot her in the head like 20 times with this being with a gun to her head. Mm -hmm. She also claims that he fired shots at her at one point and that he only missed because he wanted to, because he was an excellent marksman. I'd say I'm such a smart mouth that, you know, if um, my wife said, I'm going to shoot you in the head 20 times, I'd say, ah, joke's on you. I'm only going to fill, fill one of those. Well, <laughs> well, these are 12, 20 separate incidences. Oh. <laughs> yeah. They would, the threat wasn't, I'm going to shoot you in the head 20 times. The, <laughs> it, he threatened her 20 different times Sorry, with I, a gun to her head. Sorry, I'm a little slow today. Well, here's, here's a big problem. So the prosecution 
question, Kelly. This is a great question. They said, so just to be clear for the jury, Mm -hmm. you were so afraid of your husband that you decided to go out and have an affair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were you were afraid for your life right. all these years of your marriage from your husband and so your your result is you go out and have an affair something that would many people have been killed because of affairs on top of that going out for an affair maybe not that bad maybe you're not so scared but you bring the guy over to your house yeah according to kelly he had been there oh, three times yeah. before before this incident you went must down have been where he's trembling. Murdered. Yeah. Trembling. Hey, why don't you come on over? And that's what's great. When you see her on the stand and when she's being cross-examined by the prosecution, uh, her story just doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many things about her story. Like saying, we always had loaded, he always walked around with loaded guns inside the house. Mm-hmm. Well, he threatened me one time and he actually pulled the trigger. Well, what happened? Well, the gun wasn't loaded that time. I thought you said the guns were always loaded. Well, not on this occasion. Right. You know, and he was an excellent marksman and he even fired shots at me, but I got lucky and they missed. It was about two inches from my head. Well, I thought you said he was an excellent marksman. Well, he missed because he wanted to miss. That's how good of a shot he was. So she has an answer for everything. It's not always the right answer. Well, right. But if you're lying about every answer, you can come up with a answer. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing that she was questioned about was her unwillingness to help during the ordeal. And even after her husband is dead, her lack of emotion during the investigation, her unwillingness to help the investigation after her husband is dead. These are all things that just don't, they don't help her story to ring true at any time. Yeah. And the biggest red flag here for me, what you stated in the beginning is, when they called in that Chris was missing, when they found his car, and then they questioned these two individuals, they're going to sit and question Jason and Kelly. But here's a big red flag. In separate rooms. Mm-hmm. So now you're in the police department, and this guy killed your lover, right? Right. And you're in separate rooms, surrounded by police officers. If you're so afraid of the guy... That's when you say, hey, this guy's a killer. He's a serial killer. I can prove that he did this. Lock him up. Protect me. I agree with you 100%. And guess what? There are going to be people out there that would say, but she was, let's let's say she was afraid. You know, then I can understand why she didn't say anything. No, if mm-hmm. if you get one chance to save your ass, this is it. Because from this moment on, we might be able to protect you. From this moment on, we might be able to lock him up. Or at the very least, we might be able to put you somewhere and keep him away from you while we build a case against mm -hmm. this guy. And I think the thing, too, is that if you give law enforcement that chance, and again, he could get arrested, and the police could say she had nothing to do with you getting arrested. Mm -hmm. You know, so... I don't know that that was her chance. If what she's saying had any truth to it, that's what you would have done. And again, there's going to be people that come out and say, well, this person was physically abused and verbally abused and, and, and they feel bad for, her. but I don't, we don't even know if that was true. Right. We, you know, for all, I don't know of any police reports of him being arrested for beating her up. Well, and here's the other thing, Captain, and 
with Kelly's story, like you said, you, you if she truly was a victim on any level, on any level at all, you want to know and you want to weigh that with the circumstances, right? Yeah. So we have the the original investigator. This is Chief Frizzo, Laura Frizzo. She's the one that originally took the missing persons report of Chris back in 2014. She was part of what she referred to as two field trips that she took with Kelly Cochran after Cochran's arrest to this area looking for the remains. And Laura said on the stand that all the while she was still looking for reasons and looking for evidence that would back up Kelly's version of the story Mm -hmm. and that Kelly was telling them some truth along the way. I think what we learn here, and we know this from other cases and other uh, murderers, that how do you know that Kelly Cochran is lying? It's pretty easy. Her mouth is moving. Her lips are moving. That's correct. Mm -hmm. After 12 days of witnesses questions and testimony it was up to the jury to decide the kelly cochran murder cases they would find kelly guilty of murdering chris regan yeah and in may of 2017 she is going to be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole this for the conviction of murdering christopher regan her boyfriend and co-worker mm-hmm. okay now we have a now now we have a situation mm-hmm. captain where we always have a she's going to end up pleading guilty for killing her husband, Jason Cochran. Right. And for this, she was sentenced to 65 years as part of the plea agreement. Mm-hmm. And she did state to the media, I will die in prison and I have accepted that fate. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I mean, you committed murder. You're going to die in prison. Well, Kelly told the court that she delivered an overdose of heroin to her husband and then proceeded to put her hands on his neck, nose, and mouth until he died. She states that this took about a minute. Mm -hmm. Okay, and he was vomiting, like she said in the 911 call. So basically, she's putting her hands over his nose and mouth and... He's choking on his own fluids right. at this point. So she did give several different versions of this story to law enforcement, but this seems to be the one that would stick that they're going to use for her plea agreement. Right. Okay. And later she would say, I still hate him. And yes, it was a revenge killing. She's stating that she even the score that she was still mad at Jason for killing Chris, and that's why she killed Jason about a year and a half later. Well, we know that she's a liar, So, but she did mention that Jason might have killed other people. I'm assuming that she's lying, and when she says Jason, Jason, she's probably talking about herself. Well, that's what's weird, because at another time, she tells law enforcement that she is a serial killer, and that she may have killed as many as 21 people. Mm-hmm. Now, the provisions of her plea agreement with the state of Indiana, if Kelly chooses, she could later provide locations of other victims, but this would be without pen- any penalty. So she cannot be convicted for additional murders in the state of Indiana. Right. However, I don't want anybody to think that anybody was lazy during the course of this investigation or during the course of prosecuting Kelly Cochran. 
I, from what I read and what I could find, it looked like these investigators, specifically the ones in Indiana, worked this case and not only worked this case extremely hard, but outsmarted a very smart criminal and murderer along the way multiple times. So don't think for a second that Kelly has outsmarted the justice system in Indiana. Yeah, I don't think she outsmarted them. She, and it's I don't even think she's smart. She just has a level of evil mm-hmm. that becomes hard to deal with. And I think they dealt with it the best way they could. You know, they almost kind of fought fire with fire and they really tripped her up. Well, in the the supposed extra murders that she may have done what information she provided them was taken to the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. So that was taken into account before they agreed on this plea agreement in the state of Indiana. And the prosecution firmly believed that there's nothing here. There's nothing of any truthfulness here in any of these statements. Now to the other end of that argument, uh, as to whether there's any potential other victims, some people, including Kelly's brother, believe that the couple had killed at least nine people together. Uh, As for who those other victims are, detectives said that it's a mystery that Kelly claimed that she had quote friends who are buried in several States, including the state of Tennessee, but never revealed where or who Kelly told police that she murdered many other people. A Hobart police detective said that at one time she had said she had killed 21 people. On two occasions, she had told her that, and she states, I didn't believe it. I think that she was stretching things. She was trying to play a game. She realized that when she gives you 21 games, which she did, you're going to have to take a lot of time to look into each of those. And they didn't, it didn't take long for them to realize that she was sending them on a wild goose chase. So no more victims have turned up and no other murder charges await Kelly Cochran. Personally, what I think, Captain, after everything that I dug through in the past week, what I think we're dealing with here is a situation where I think Kelly Cochran was the ringleader. I think that Jason was certainly involved in the murder of Chris, but I think that Kelly was the one that put together the plan. Mm -hmm. I think she was kind of the leader. I think that for whatever reason, Chris became a problem and they devised this plan to kill him. And then later, when she's presented with another problem, Jason, her husband, she decides to get rid of Jason. And this is the only way that she knows to how to handle these problems that she's created, that right. she's taken on in her life, is, is to end them with murder. Now, a scary thought, though, here before we leave, Captain, former police chief Laura Frizzo, she had a comment on possible other victims. She said, quote, I do not think that Chris is the first person that they murdered. She explained, there's no way that the first person you choose to kill, you're going to be able to clean, clean up the blood and get rid of the body so that the FBI agents can't pull DNA off the walls to do what they did to him. I don't know how you could do that. If it was the first person you've ever killed shooting someone, that's one thing you can be far away pull out your gun and it's done. But to sit there, take a cut up body and then wrap its parts, put it in your vehicle and haul it over to the woods and bury it. There's no possible way you could logically think that through. I truly believe there are other people out there.
We want to thank everybody for joining us here in the garage this week. And don't worry. I know after listening to today's show, you think, oh, they're only doing one show this week. Mm -hmm. No. No, 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 my friend. My friends, we have a very big and exciting surprise for you. There will be a show tomorrow. But we're not going to tell you what it is. We can't tell you. Well, we could, but we're not going to because we're assholes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, make sure you join us tomorrow in the garage for a very special episode of True Crime Garage. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 